Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Church, have you ever just completely missed an opportunity? And I mean basic missing. Maybe when you were young and you were five, six, seven years old and you would collect money, you would get your coins, you would get your dollars and you'd put them inside of Ziploc bags or little purses and you would run up to your room and hide it because you knew the ice cream truck would come around every so often and you knew your favorite ice cream was on this vehicle and you did not want to miss the opportunity to get it. And then you'd hear this ice cream truck far in the distance, and you'd go running up to your room to go get this baggie, get out your coin, run outside, and realize that this guy is driving 25 miles an hour, and you're never going to catch it with your little legs, right? What a missed opportunity that is, and such a sad moment for ice cream lovers around the world. Oh, gosh. I'm going to tell you the story. I remember this time where I completely missed an opportunity. Growing up, I grew up in Southern California. It is definitely very standard weather out there. You have the sun a lot more than you have it here. But I grew up dancing. I grew up in cheer. I did all of that. And for many of you, it doesn't surprise you that I did that. But I practiced every day of the week after school for hours. I would go after school, spend hours practicing routines. And then there was a recital that would come around every so often. And if you have kids, if you have kiddos, or if you've been in recitals yourself, then you know it is when you get to show off the thing that you've been working so hard to do. It's kind of like this, where you have and invite your friends and your family, you invite your mom, your dad, you invite everybody that wants to come see what you have been rehearsing and practicing and getting your dance moves ready. And we did just that. Here I was, ready to go. And it was one of those dances where there was a group that went in front of you that was dancing as a group, and me, I had the opportunity to be a soloist in the middle of that dance. And I was so excited. I was here, standing in the ready, ready to go, dressed, fully steamed, ready, hair done, makeup on, shoes fully prepped, and I'm standing here in the moment, and I see my dance teacher across the way looking at me going, okay, cool, pay attention to the music, and I'm paying attention to what's going on. I'm seeing what moves are happening at the moment. I'm listening to what verse of the song it's in. And as I'm standing here ready to go for something I completely prepared for, something catches the side of my eye, and I look and I'm trying to look back, and I look again, and then I look back, and I'm like, gosh, what is this? And now I see people running around. I see these ground keepers with a net, and they're trying to catch a bird. A bird has now entered the story. It's a pigeon that's flying around on top of my head, and I'm trying to pay attention to where we're at because I know I am next. But now I have this bird, and nobody wants to be poop girl, right? Nobody wants a bird to poop on your head right before you're about to go on stage to go perform the one thing with a white old glob on your head. So now here I am paying attention to this, paying attention to this. I'm not really sure what to do, and now I'm focusing on this bird that's kind of coming closer and closer, and I find myself in the wings of this dance studio going, oh gosh, oh gosh, what do I do? And that I focus on this bird, and I focus on this thing, and by the time I turned around, the dancers that were once gracefully doing their dance have exited. 
I completely had missed my moment. I missed my cue. I never made it on stage. The dance teacher's on the other side going, and I'm like, what? What do you want me to do? I have completely missed it. I no longer can go into this space right now. I have practiced for it, and I completely missed it. And what a sad moment that was in my life when I thought, gosh, this is all I have. You know when you were younger and you thought those big things that are now small things to you were the thing that was going to shake you forever? And I was completely sad about it. Recently, I had the opportunity to travel to Nashville to learn more about God's global mandate, to take this thing called a perspectives course that I absolutely loved, where I spend some time diving into God's word and God's mandate. And I learned a story about a missed opportunity inside of biblical history that really just took the breath out of me, that really just made me take a step back and look at it. And it was the story about Kubai Khan. And what Kubai Khan is, is that he was, back in the day, he had a mother who was Christian. And he ruled the Mongol Empire, really when it had reached its capacity. It can no longer expand anymore. And he wanted to just create peace within its borders. Then enters this guy named Marco Polo. Now, before it was a water sport, and before it was an app on your phone, he was a guy, right? And he traveled into China and saw that there was evidence of Christian communities in its little pockets throughout it. And he ended up serving on Kubai's court. Now you can imagine when you serve with somebody and you come around people throughout your week, you get close with them. So he started sharing his faith. He started sharing a little bit more about this thing that he knew about this this Christianity that he had, this faith that he had inside of them. And I can almost imagine the conversation that him and Kubai had was, hey, I want to know a little bit more about this guy that you serve. I want to know more about this faith that's inside of you. I can see this, this thing, this fruit, this light in front of you. Tell me more about it. To the point that Kubai then asked him to go back and request 100 missionaries, 100 believers to come back to where they were at the Mongol Empire, which was massive, to teach him and to teach his people more about this Christian faith. But back then, they didn't have cell phones, so you can't just pick it up and be like, hey, Pope, yo, can you send over 100 missionaries? It didn't work like that. They had to travel and far back to keep going to request from the Pope 100 missionaries. But by the time Marco Polo had gotten back, the church was in turmoil. They were trying to figure out what was going on. They had lost sight of what they were actually supposed to be doing, and they put aside their spiritual faith, their spiritual self, and dragged their feet. And by the time it came, by the time that they did send out, and a new pope had been come into power and said, yes, we're going to go ahead and send some missionaries out to this Mongolian empire for the word to get out, they didn't send a hundred. Can you guess how many they sent? Two. They sent me, and they sent you for this massive empire that had to be reached. And the sad part about this story is that they, when they went out, these two individuals to go track to get back to where they needed to go, the road became really hard. It had changed quite a bit. Some records said it took a decade for them to get back, and they didn't even make it. Halfway through, they turned around and said, I can't do it. I got to go back. And it never, ever got back there. And God was trying to open up 
an opportunity for his word to be shown, his word to be heard in the largest empire that the world has yet to see through a man whose mother was a Christian. And there I was in the middle of Nashville. And when you think about Nashville, you're probably thinking light city, camera, action. No, 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 no. I was in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It was to the point where we had lost reception on our cell phone and I had to try to tiptoe next to a tree to try to call my husband to let him know that I am alive, I have made it, but you are not gonna hear from me, you need to alert everybody. And there was no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service, no Wi-Fi, and here I am finding more about this story and my soul just drops hearing about this missed opportunities and I have tears just down my face, beautifully single place tears as I heard about this. And I'm sitting there next to it, trying to learn a little bit more. And then God nudges me. Don't you just hate it when God nudges you sometimes? It's like, what? What do you want? I'm over here trying to learn more about you, and you're over here nudging me. And I am the biggest eye roller. I know exactly where my daughter gets her eye rolling from. Do not tell her it's from me. But I roll my eyes at God all the time. And he's not surprised by it. He's made me. He knows what my tendencies are. And I'm rolling my eyes, and he nudges me. And he goes, hey, Tracy, when's the last time you invited somebody into my presence? When's the last time that you took a step and listened to me as I nudged you to invite that person? When's the last time that you invited somebody? Remember that coworker that I strategically placed in front of you for a time being because I wanted my image to show through you so they could find a little bit of me in you, but you decided to turn your back and walk away from that person? Remember that old lady in the grocery store that you felt my nudge and you thought, I need to go pray for her, I need to go talk to her, but you decided to turn her away? Remember that football dad? Remember Remember that soccer mom? Remember that dance dad that you spent eight weeks sending next to, but you decided to ignore my prompting. You, excited, you decided to ignore my nudge and turn your back and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to invite them. You don't step out of your comfort zone with that. When's the last time that you decided to do that? And if that wasn't enough, God goes for the gut punch for me. And I'm no longer in single, beautifully placed tears. It is now a ugly, snotty cry in the middle of absolute nowhere, Nashville, with people I have barely known for 24 hours, with them trying to figure out, whoa, what is wrong with her? And God punches me in the stomach and says, you know that phone that's always in your hand? Oof, oh, I know, I hear it, I hear it. That social media you're always scrolling through? You know that platform that you watch service through all the time? You know those TikTok videos that you decide to share? When's the last time you pushed the share button for me? When's the last time you pushed the share button and prayed that it would reach somebody far away and that my presence would go through a screen? When's the last time that you did that? And all oh, the gut feeling, the conviction that happens inside of your life when you realize that you're no better than the Mongol Empire back then. When we're here trying to figure out what's going on, we're blaming them for dragging their feet, for not moving fast enough. Why didn't they just move fast enough? Why didn't they just keep going? Why didn't they push into it? When God's telling us to do the same exact thing, he goes, hey, I told you to do all this over here and you're not listening to me at the same time. The conviction that hits inside of there when you realize that God has given us a mandate, that God has given us something to go after, that God has told us exactly what to do. And he's given us such clear directions 
about it to fulfill this thing that he has mandated for us, that he's commissioned for us to do, this thing called the Great Commission for us to go do. And the title of my message today is Just Go. To fulfill this thing, to fulfill this mandate. And you're probably thinking, Tracy, okay, what is this mandate that you keep referencing? It is now time to find out what that mandate is. If we turn to Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And for those of you that are in the room, and you're just trying to figure out, one, who Jesus is. You might be your first time in church in a long time. It might be your first time in church ever. I just want to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you're here. I'm so honored that you're here to step into a space that you're unsure about, to know more about this Jesus. And it's a good place to be on a Sunday morning, so I'm so proud of you. But let me set the scene for you just a bit so you know where we're at inside of the Bible. Jesus has been crucified, he has been buried, and he has risen. And people are finding out about it everywhere. And he tells his disciples to go up to Galilee to a mountain where he then gives us the final command tells us the final thing before he ascends into heaven, which is now where we find ourselves in Matthew 28. 19 and 20 is where we're going to start. And it says, go therefore. Now I'm going to stop right there. See, in order to go, you require some movement. You can't sit here and move at the same time. The first word that God says in this is go. It's an action word. There's requiring some movement that happens in the back. You need to put some pep inside of your step in order to go. You cannot stand still and go at the same time. So just in that first word, he tells us exactly what we're supposed to do. And then he goes on to tell us what we're supposed to do and make disciples of all nations. Now, when you strip the word disciples down to its very basic core, it means learners. It means find people. Go and find people who are willing to learn more about me, willing to go and find out more. Are you willing to walk with them? Are they willing to learn? That's great. Go find them. Go find these individuals and make them your disciples. Are they willing to learn? Go after them. Go find them. And then it moves into and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think that this is where it's at in this verse on accident, because the verse right after this, this says, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So that in between making disciples and going and finding these individuals that are willing to learn and in between you teaching them what he has commanded you, he is telling you right here that they're supposed to get baptized in it, that there's gonna be some walking out that needs to happen, that it's not gonna always look clean, that it's gonna look a little messy. It doesn't say that they have to know Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't say that they have to know every Bible first. It doesn't say that they have to know anything else. All it says is go, find them and baptize them. Are they willing to follow? Are they willing to learn more about me? That is great because in the middle of that, there's going to be some mess. In the middle of it, you're going to have to walk it out with some people. In the middle of that, you're going to have to say, okay, okay, let's keep this going. And you're the one that's supposed to be teaching them. He gives us such a great command for that. It reminds me really of a time when I was growing up and I was learning how to drive. And my dad was so sick and tired of taking me to dance class. And he goes, you're going to learn how to drive today. 
So we hop inside of his vehicle, and he's showing me all the little bells and whistles of what I'm supposed to do. He's, you know, the gas pedal, the brake, there's a steering wheel. There's all the things that I should know about a car. And he says, let's go. We're going to take it around. And we lived in like a cul-de-sac type of area. It's pretty safe. It was one big circle with a cul-de-sac. So then he, we're driving around, and we're driving around, and he's like, okay, cool. Let's try to make a turn. Let's try to go into this cul-de-sac a little bit. So as I'm turning the corner, and I'm going in, He's like, okay, Tracy, you're going to have to slow down just a little bit. Tracy, slow down. Tracy, push the brake. Tracy, push the brake. So what do I do? I accelerate. Absolutely, yeah. I accelerate right into a pole. And my, my dad is like, oh, my gosh. And I'm freaking out in the front seat going, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? I just ran into this freshly pushed put so, um, pole that the county had just put in there. And my dad's like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to have you reverse this thing back just a bit. And I reverse it. And he goes, put it in park and don't touch anything. And I'm going to come out, and I'm going to assess what's going on. I'm going to look and make sure your, our neighbors know that we just ran into this pole because it's really in their property. But when I'm doing that, I want you to think about the thing that I told you to do, what I teached you to do, what I taught you to do, and what you actually did. And I'm proud to say I'm no longer running into poles. I'm running into other things, but I'm no longer running into poles. But my dad had to walk that out with me, and he didn't give up at all. He said, okay, we're going to go ahead and get your mom's car, and we're going to put you in your mom's car, because he'd never let me take his again, and we're going to teach you how to do this thing. But he was willing to stay the course. I learned how to drive. I learned what I was supposed to do. In the same breath right here, Jesus is telling us, go and find these people. It's going to look messy. But I have commanded you to do something. I have something in you that they need to know. There's an image that you're carrying that they need to know. Can you go find them? Can you go get them? Are they willing to learn? Let's baptize them right here. Walk alongside with them. It's going to look messy. It's going to look funny. But gosh, they're going to learn because you're the one that has to teach them. And at the end of it, he gives us a promise. Because in the middle of that, he doesn't say, okay, go do this thing, and I'm just going to leave you with it. He then tells us, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That I am with you to the end of the age. And gosh, I think about that, and he's telling us he's never going to leave us, that we're never going to be without him, that when he's telling us to go, when we're making these disciples, when we're teaching them there, that he's never going to leave us, but that he's going to direct our path. He knows what's for this person. That's right here. And we shy away from it. We don't actually go after the, the people. We're here at the grocery stores. We're here at our sports activities. We're here trying to figure out what's going on, and we shy away from the one thing he tells us to do, the promise that he's left us. He's given us a command to go do this thing, but yet here we are standing in the wings of a dance studio, ready to go, prepared every Sunday with our dance shoes on, and we're supposed to make it out there that we get distracted by a task, that we get distracted by our work, that we get distracted by our schools, that we forget to do the thing that he's commanded us to do. See, your light cannot shine here by itself. There's nobody here in the wings with you. You need to be willing to step out here so that his light can shine, his image can shine through you. When's the last time you were able to do that? When's the last time you were able to show his light? Are you standing in the wings today? Are you standing there by yourself? Are you scared to come out into the light, to shine his light to others, for others to see? What does your day-to-day look like? So I like to follow different types of leaders. I like to study them, 
see what makes them successful. I like to see what makes them funny. I like to see what they do, what, makes, what they do on a day-to-day basis. And I follow this one guy, and he's on this show called Shark Tank. And if you've never watched Shark Tank, I really recommend it. My husband and I really enjoy this show. But it's where individuals, just like you and I, come up with this product, come up with something that we want to sell, and we need investors to invest inside of the product, right? So they're on the show. They're bringing everything that they have. They're hoping for a shark, which is the panel that's in front of them, of investors to come and be a part of what is going on inside of their life. And they're saying, yes, absolutely. We want to, we believe in this thing, we've been working towards it, and he's one of the investors. And then side note, if you're watching Shark Tank, I have purchased some of the best and some of the worst things off of Shark Tank, right? And it is like one of those 1 a.m. things where you're like scrolling through, it's like an infomercial, and you're like, oh, that looks so cool. And my husband goes, what are you going to do with that, Tracy? You do not need an inflatable camper with the push of a button that then deflates at this push of a button again. You don't even like camping. You don't even like bugs. What are you going to do with this thing right here? So what do I do? I purchase it, why not, right? You never know when you're gonna become an avid camper. But I go ahead and purchase it and then I have to hear from my husband for a bit, but it's okay, I've digressed. Let's get back to where we're heading. One of the things that this guy says is the number one reason why businesses fail, in his opinion, is because of a lack of effort. Someone always has what you're selling unless you've come up with a brand new idea, whether you've come up with something brand new, Somebody else knows what you're selling. They have your business plan. They know your concept. You have to be willing to put in the extra work. You have to be willing to go above and beyond. You have to be willing to take those late night Zoom calls. You have to be willing to take those early morning coffee dates in order to see your own business succeed. And in the same sentence, your lack of effort is the enemy's breathing ground. Why are you shying away and giving the enemy any space right here to do that? Push back. God has given you authority in it. The enemy only has so much, like Pastor Mark was saying earlier. He doesn't know your next step, so push it back. And we're over here trying to figure out and speaking out of our mouth of why the church is in decline. Why is it not growing? Why is our kids' ministry not going? And I mean church as a whole, inside of the whole nation, not capital C. Why is it not growing? Why are we not seeing more youth? Why are we not seeing more kids? Instead of using your words to speak that in the atmosphere, why don't you use your words to declare his name? Why don't you go out there and tell somebody about it. There's power inside of your words and you need to speak fresh into that. But here you are instead trying to talk about the thing that's not happening. But when's the last time that you decided to go out and say his name? Think about it in your head. Everybody has its own personal response. And if you're doing it, great. Keep doing that thing. If you're not, let's take a deeper look at what he tells us to do. Because the enemy cannot occupy a space that you continue to go after, that you continue to invite God in. And he gives us, Jesus, a clear mandate for us to go, and it starts with us. And we see this played out in Acts 1 and 8. And if you're not careful, sometimes when you're reading Bible verses, I know I do this sometimes, it can sound like a Star Wars intro. Like in a galaxy far, far away super terrible accent there, but you get the idea, but it's not. It's something for the here. It's something for the right now. And inside of Acts 1 and 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea 
and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And the thing that I love about this is that when Jesus spoke these words to the Jews, they were in Jerusalem. It says, witness in Jerusalem. They were already in the place where Jesus had them, and he wanted them to witness their first. There's an order that comes to the sea. There's a going that happens inside of your home before you even step out the front door. There's a going that happens in your devotional life. There's a going that happens inside of your marriage. There's a going that happens when you have kids around you that you have to go after. Is this good? Is your friends good that you invite into your space? That's great. That is your Jerusalem. This is where I need you to witness first because then he says, and in all Judea. So Jerusalem is a city that's inside of Judea. It's like Columbus to Ohio, right? And he's saying, witness here first in Jerusalem. There's a going that happens here and then into Judea, into your workplaces, into your school, into your influences, into TikTok, into social media, into any platform that he has you use and he tells you to do this first. Does this look good? Perfect. That's great. Let's move over to the next thing because I have some more inside of you that people need to know about me. And he says, go into Judea. Go into these places that I've placed you in. And then my favorite part is, and Samaria. Oh, this one hits home sometimes. And to the ends of the earth. See, when Jesus spoke this to the Jews, the Jews and the Samaritans, like we found out from Christian last week, They were button heads. They were not friendly. They were not liking each other on social media. They were unfriending each other every second they get. They were not BFFs, right? They were not liking each other to the point that in order to get through to Galilee, they would say, okay, GPS, take me the quickest way to get here, and it would take them right through Samaria. And they'd be like, oh, no, absolutely not. We are rerouting this thing. Siri, take it around. I think I just activated people's series right now, but it went all the way around. I want you, they wanted to avoid that space. They wanted to add more time, more energy, more resources just to avoid the one place that they were supposed to go. You know those people that don't look like you that you avoid every week? Oh, you know that person in that workplace that just gives you a little bit of a cringing oh, inside of you that you try to avoid and you never want to be in the coffee center at the same time? You know those people that you see every day at the grocery store and you're like, oh, nope, absolutely not. And God is telling you right here to stop avoiding that place, to go into your Jerusalem, to go into Judea and Samaria, to invite those people that you think aren't worth it because you've made up in your own mind that they're not worth it. God's telling you to go there. But here we are shying away from that very, very thing with it. Look at your influence. Look at who's around you. Are you breathing? Are you breathing? I sure as heck everybody has gotten a yes. If not, we have a whole different problem on our hands. Okay? I hope that everybody in the chat has chatted in that you are breathing. And you have influence if you got a yes, if you said a yes out of your life. Look at what God has placed in your hand and go after that thing. And you're probably thinking, that's amazing, Tracy. How do I go after this? I have 105 different ways that I, you're laughing, but I'm serious. I'm just kidding. I got three different ways for you today that you can start building on this thing. And the first one is to seek first. And I think this is the most important one. 
because you can't go and you can't lead people. You can't teach something that you've never done yourself, that you're not willing to invest some time in. In order to bring people along in the journey, you have to seek him first. What does your prayer life look like? What does your devotional life look like? Are you spending time in silence with him? I have this bad habit. I'm just going to tell on myself all day today, I guess. But I have this bad habit that when people are talking and I'm intently listening, I like to try to figure out what the last word of that sentence is and then drop it in. Drop off whatever it is. I want them to know, I know where you're going with this. I want to try to navigate this ship. I'm going to drop this in right here. Just because I think, oh man, if they know that I'm listening, that's great. But then I wonder how many times I fill in the words for God. How many times am I interrupting him? Am I filling the words in for God? Is he trying to tell me something different and here I am standing on the side thinking I know exactly where he's going and I cut him off? When you seek him first and you intently listen, he'll speak to you. But you gotta free yourself of it first. You gotta listen to it. And then you need to pay attention. Once you have that down of seeking him, I promise you, God is going to put in your mind people that you're supposed to go after. He's going to put people back in your mind. He's going to bring people in front of you that you're supposed to speak to, that you're supposed to invite, that are going to be doing great things inside of his kingdom. But you have to be aware of what it is. And I ask you to pay attention. And my last one is kind of a tough one. And it's to move on. See, there's only one perfect person to ever walk this earth, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We're going to mess up sometimes. We're going to miss the opportunity when it's in front of us. But if we dwell there, if we stay there, then we're going to miss the next one coming our way because Jesus is still going to use us. God is still going to do that thing. He still has people that are coming after every single day of your week. Don't dwell on this that you miss the next thing that's coming your way. So you don't want to miss that right there. You want to keep going. You need to keep going because there's people, there's moms, there's dad, there's children that need to hear more about this Jesus. Church, there's this guy named Noah in the Bible. And God tells him, Noah, go. I want you to build this ark. I need you to get in it, and I need you to be obedient, and I need you to go. People are going to think you're crazy, but I need you to go. Abraham, I need you to go. I need you to leave it all behind so I can bless generations and generations and generations to come, but I need you to be obedient. I need you to go. Then there's Moses. Moses, I need you to go back to the place you left. I need you to go back there because there's people I need you to reach, but I need you to be obedient and I need you to go. Elijah, I need you to go and share this message and I'm gonna be with you. It's gonna look hard, but I need you to just go. And Noah, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, I need you to go. I just need you to go. And all along, we thought that it meant that we had to cross seas and oceans. And for some of us, it will. It's why we create opportunities like Go Local. But for the mass majority, it means that we just need to cross the street. When's the last time you crossed the street? When's the last time you talked to that neighbor? When's the last time you did all that? When's the last time you went from being comfortable to being obedient? 
Yeah, it hits a little hard. When's the last time that you went from comfortable to obedience? Have you gotten so comfortable in your daily routine that you forgot to listen to his nudge when he pushed you? When he said, nah, stop filling in my words. I have something over here. See, sometimes the wings of the stage can represent what it looks like on a Sunday. We're here, prepared, ready to go with our shoes on, looking great, hearing the word, and then we get distracted by something off the side. The minute that we walk off here, somebody cuts you off in the parking lot. And you get distracted. But right here in the wings is not where we're supposed to stand. Out here is community. Out here is our schools. Out here is where Jesus wants us. And he just asks you to take a step into that and invite somebody else. To take a step into your schools and invite what's happening inside of there. How is your word going to spread if you're not the one sharing it with other people? He's asking you to do that very thing instead of just sitting here listening, standing in the wings and getting distracted with what he tells us to do. He wants you to use your voice There's power in your words and use them with it. Church, all week long, I was struggling with how to close. I was struggling going, gosh, God, I want to connect this to a cool parable. I want to connect this to something that this is going to hit home for them. And I kept searching and I'm excited about it. I'm looking through the Bible. I'm studying in all my devotionals. I'm trying to find a parable that is going to fit so close to this. And God's like, oh gosh, here she goes again, doing it in her own will. And I keep searching and lo and behold, I don't find anything. And in the middle of my week, God says, are you ready to listen? Yeah, I don't need you to tell them another parable. They don't need to hear that. Tracy, I need you to tell them why you're passionate. I need you to tell them why you care about every week that you come in here, about what you do, every Go Local project that you put on, every Go Global trip that we do, every egg hunt that we do, every time a person walks in through these front doors for the first time. I want you to tell them why you care about it. Because church, you're looking at a product of an invitation. See, years ago, the Howards, where are you? They listened to that nudge from God. And they decided to invite my family and I. And see, I get emotional every time I say it because I see how God works. I see what God does. I see what he can do. I see his hand in every single thing. But what they didn't know back then was when they sent that invite, that miles away at a kitchen table, my husband and I are having conversations about wanting to know Jesus more, about wanting to know more about Jesus, to see what he can do, to learn more about him. And there we are at a kitchen table miles away getting an invite. They didn't know if we were going to say yes or no. See, my husband grew up in church, and I grew up doing something a little different but we came and it changed everything from a one invitation. And I'm nothing special. My family is nothing special. Whose testimony are you stealing from on a day-to-day basis by not inviting them, by not listening to that prompt? Whose invitation, whose testimony are you not allowing to happen? God will do what he needs to do and reach that person, but he wants to use you. It might as well be you. Whose testimony are you deciding is not worth it? Are you standing in the wings? 
Are you standing in the wings? Do you need to step out? Do you need to hear that testimony? Do you need to go? Because the invite has nothing to do with you. You need to get that out of your head sometimes and let God do what he wants to do. The invitation has everything to do with the person he's wanting to reach. He has a story for this person right there, but all he needs you to do is be obedient and say, hey, I have this thing that's coming up at at church. I think you might enjoy it. Hey, I saved a seat for you right here. You might like it. The worst they can say is not yet. And the reason I say not yet is because I believe that Jesus wants everybody there. I'm not going to take their no. I'm going to revisit that later on. So church, as I close today, I want to challenge you that when the opportunity came knocking, did you see it? Did you hear it? Or were you completely oblivious to what was right in front of you? Were you standing in the wings on a Sunday so scared? Did you get out of your comfort zone? Did you listen to him? Were you obedient to what he is calling us to do? Did you go out into your community? Did you invite that person across the street? Or were you completely oblivious to what he had done, what door he had to open? So church, this week, I challenge you to stop standing in the wings and to just go.